Welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast, everybody. You're here with Jamesy, sitting, sitting peacefully in his triangle of sucking. You're still in that triangle of sucking, eh? You need to get out of that. It goes nowhere. It's going nowhere in the triangle of sucking. They tell me great things are about to happen. <laughs> of course. Of course. And, uh, and this is old Brando, not in the triangle of sucking. I'm in the devil's triangle. Is uh is the triangle of sucking related to the devil's triangle at all? People don't remember the devil's triangle, do they? It's pretty much out of the lexicon of the um, average listener anymore. Back in the day, it was a big deal. Do you remember the devil's triangle? No. Do you know what I'm talking about? You, no. Really? The, all the planes and everything that disappeared off the between like Bermuda and Florida and a little. Well, I thought that was the, that was the Bermuda triangle. Well, they Not first, the first was called the Devil's Triangle, but then they were trying to, you know, keep religion out of it, I guess. I have no fucking idea. But they changed it to the Bermuda Triangle because it's near Bermuda. But they blamed the devil at first because he gets a bad rap. He's a scapegoat, if you will. Actually, literally, I think he's a, a scapegoat. Are you? Oh, you're looking it up. You're Googling it. I am. Googly Googling. I see the googly eyes going. See, I didn't just make it up. See, no, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, people, he just doesn't just make this shit up. This is, He's not that creative. <laughs> well, speaking of the devil's triangle and, <laughs> and coming back from that octopus, that octopus alternative that we were on for the last couple of weeks, talking about the early days, looking at that report from the early days of bringing the octopus alternate additional second stage regulator onto the traditional single first stage back in the early 1970s how that led to a a really like like a major change in scuba sales and scuba education and how that octopus that spare regulator was going to be the savior for the people. I did some looking and I came across this story penned by good old Eric Douglas in March of 2021 looking at a fatality but it goes right in along lines with what we were talking about of just having the greatest octopus, most expensive one you can buy, the easiest breathing Source of alternate air, the best marketed, the one that's on the back page of that magazine cover. If you don't know how to use it, and it's not rigged, and you didn't check it, it's it's just as good as not having one with you in the first place. Well, it's close to just as good. I mean, you might get lucky and it all works okay. (laughs) Those are nowhere near as fun stories to read, though. You know, they, uh, the ones that make the press are generally the ones that end the worst. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's human psychology right there, isn't it? We like a good, a good uh, death story. <laughs> death, maiming, severe, in- something very dramatic. So There's got to be some stakes to this whole thing. <laughs> exactly. I mean, if there's no consequences, really, what's the risk? If there's no, you know, if there's no risk, there's no reward. Yeah, and I would think that, you know, scuba, even if you're doing it completely wrong, 
there's still a good chance you're coming home at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, it's it's the real bad ones that go really, really bad. And when they do go bad, they go bad so fast and everything just like crumbles down on top of itself that when it starts going bad, it's really hard to get out of. When it starts going bad, it's bad. Yeah, well, it's that snowball. In most all incidents, it's not just one thing that went wrong. It's one thing that began the snowball, and then several things are consequences of the beginning of the snowball. So in order to prevent accidents, you got to stop the snowball from starting. Because they start happening exponentially. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It goes you know, pretty it's quick. The, it's, the one little, yeah. it's the one little thing, and then two... Two things pop up that you didn't realize. You're like, son of a... (laughs) Two more pop up on each of those at the same time, and now you've got eight things you got to try to deal with. you got a situation on your hands, yeah. You have eight things to try to deal with if you're actually cool, calm, collected, and aware enough to notice all eight pop up, which is rarely the case. This is a story about Joel and three buddies that we're out doing some deep wreck diving, Brando. I know Great Lakes season's coming up, and it's I know you're, uh, you're, you're ready for some deep wreck diving. I am ready. Well, I've been staying semi-active, dive or two a week here, which is not bad. That's because summer's coming, and you want right. to try to get ready for the summer, the summer of diving, and you're trying to get ready for that summer beach bot, I know. Hell yeah. <laughs> Working my ass off. <laughs> I'm trying not trying to get rid of my summer beach bot. I'm trying to get my summer beach bod. I'm trying to get rid of my, my winter beach bod, if, if there's such a thing. Well, Manscaped's here to ensure that your body is ready for the wild, the wild diving on the on the hot hot dive bud summer out on those dive boats. <laughs> and they're here to change your full body grooming and hygiene game this year. Have you seen our dive buddies? You don't have to look like the Andre the Giant dive, buddy. What's wrong with Andre the Giant? He's just hairy. Is that it? Big and hairy. It's time you get ready for Hot Guy Summer Brando by going to manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TGDP. You too, everybody. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you increase your confidence and level up your full body grooming game with that Performance Package 4.0. I just got my hair cut yesterday, and... um, you know, you noticing anymore? It's, it's you can't just get a haircut. You got those nose hairs, <laughs> ear ear hairs are popping up. Brando, it, it, you need all that stuff like that. Weed Whacker two point You're fighting them. You're fighting them and fighting them. And then uh, you know when you do see like an older gentleman or even an older woman with, uh, I'm trying to think of a nice politically correct way to say it with like unsightly hairs growing. You got to feel for them because they've just given up. They've given up. They've given up. Well, you guys out there, you need to tell them to go to manscaped.com and use the code TGDP so that they can get 20% off of free shipping with our code. That's 20% off free shipping with the code TGDP at manscaped.com. Tell them they can trim their chesticles with the besticles over at Manscaped. So these four guys, Brando, were about to do their second deep wreck dive. Okay. They didn't have a lot of time at depth, but the conditions were going to be good. And Joel was super excited right up until he tried to take a breath. 
Now, they say that he was a 40-year-old technical diver experienced in deco techniques. Here we go. <laughs> you know, do you know labels, what that means? A couple labels there, which are very vague. Yes, I do know exactly what I, that's what I mean. He's, uh, he's a technical diver, and he's experienced. Now, you mentioned that that's a vague term. Are you saying that somebody being a technical diver could possibly mean that they just bought a Perdix. They, they got a Perdix. They got a they got a pony bottle. Yeah, I got a pony bottle. Well, you've got people going into breathers that have you know little to no experience in open circuit, and the breathers are much more complex than going open circuit. So you, I think you need to build up on that. But that that would be considered, in my mind, that's a that's a technical diver, based on the equipment and the the skills, the complexity of the dives now. So you've got that. You've got people, again, just throwing twins together and uh, without any training. They've got YouTube Academy, and, and there they go down to the bottom, or they know somebody, and somebody's very uh, informally mentoring or, or teaching them. There's people that are going to depth on a single 120 cubic foot tank of air yeah carrying a pony bottle of a nitrox mixture and they get a (laughs) decompression procedure certification oh yeah and now now they're a technical diver yeah well some of the practices you see out there are a little crazy and just like you said and i guess for the people out there that that are unaware we would consider that absurd it is a little absurd because if you start examining what they're what they're doing, uh, nothing. <laughs> I shouldn't say nothing. Very little of what could go wrong has been taken into account for that equipment configuration and practice. You know, there's so many things that could go wrong that that doesn't even address. As a matter of fact, makes things worse. And what we're going to look at momentarily is a, a lot of the stuff that we thought we were solving in the all with the octopus alternative yeah had nothing to do with the octopus it's all about the mindset of growth as a diver yeah joel was healthy healthy guy no known medical conditions and he dove this wreck many times before brando okay they were on a small charter in a lake a couple of hours from home the wreck was resting in the sand in a, about 170 feet of water. So the lake was a couple hours from home, or they yes. were out into the lake a couple hours? Okay. Meaning that yeah. this is just a, it's a local, lake. Okay. local lake dive. Yeah. Superstructure rising up to about 140 feet. So there's you know 30 feet of relief on this. So it's a big-ass boat that they're diving in. Some deeper water, you think it's Great Lakes? It certainly sounds like it could be. I mean, this sounds like a, like a, a lot of options you and I have. Two-hour drive. The name Joel is pretty Midwestern. Uh, that, a lot of Joels <laughs> in the Midwest. I'm like the Sherlock Holmes of these articles. Like, where is this happening? Elementary, <laughs> dear Jamesy. Dear Jamesy. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> now, they, did, they were going to do a double dip on this dive in 170 feet of water. Not completely absurd, but still pretty. I mean, it's an open circuit. You can you're going to need a lot of gas, and it's it's a decent amount of decompression you're putting your body through. But if you you, you do it right, and you you clean up, you're okay. Yeah, 
Now, they completed the first dive without incident, did a surface interval, and they geared up for dive two. Four of them jumped in the water and signaled each other and uh, signaled back to the boat and then started their descent. They stayed together as what you and I would suggest, as two buddy teams of two, but all four of them remained generally together. I mean, it's a pretty typical way of four people diving together, right? Uh, a three-and-a-one combo is leave somebody off as a straggler, although sometimes that's the way you you, you kind of would like it. But four-person teams, complex. I mean, this is open water 101. The most you'll have is three on a team, and if you've got four people, you split it into two twos. Yeah, it's easier to manage. During the first dive, they spent most of their time around the bow. So on this dive... They were going to target the stern. The hull there was broken up, and they knew they could look into the engine room as well back there. Again, pretty typical. Mm-hmm. If like if we were going to go out and dive a, a wreck in this depth, this big, yeah, we'll do a dive on the bow. Then we'll do a, we'll move over. We'll do a dive on the stern. Right. Rather than trying to cover the whole thing on one dive. And then do the same thing on the second dive. <laughs> yeah, which really ends up being two dives where you don't really get to see much of it. Right. Yeah, it's just, it goes quick. It goes quick at that depth, in open circuit especially, right? Correct. So here's where I know a lot of what you and I believe and, and the way we think goes against the grain with a lot of the mainstream out there. So they plan to perform some decompression stops. They were each using a single 100-cubic-foot steel tank. And that carries its own issues right there, should something go wrong. So that's not a great idea. The, number one, it's a single, a single source of gas. Uh, should something happen at the tank valve, it's gone. <laughs> right? Burst disc, right, whatever. 100, 170 feet. Yeah. A 140 to 170, I mean, you're six-plus at as a depth. And so if you even have a good breathing rate of like a sack rate of like um, a 0.6 times the six addas, you're, you're breathing 3.6 cubic feet a minute. So if you, have to, if you have to share gas, I know they've got this silly pony bottle or whatever, but if you did have to share gas, it's almost seven cubic feet a minute out of what's left of your hundred as you come up from a, an, an emergency air share. If you're, if you're both super peaceful, meditatively yes. calm. Yeah. Cause that's not going to happen when it goes <laughs> no, down. No, you're going to be chugging eight, nine cubic feet a minute. Right. In reality. Which doesn't give you much time. I know people are like, Oh, that gives me 10 minutes. <laughs> no, no, it well, doesn't. I mean, uh, it doesn't. Right. Like <laughs> even like the average person, like breathing at, at that depth, is going to get like suck a hundred cubic foot tank completely dry in twenty minutes. Yeah, and what kind of dive is that? I mean, by the, the, the by the time you get down there, and you've got to turn around and come right back almost. I mean, you, you'll have a few minutes to look around, but what's the point of it? What is you're not really enjoying it? You're not getting any substantial exploration time in. Are you doing it to like? beat your chest it's just not a a he's a technical diver though a technical diver and this is what i mean like a true technical diver would go nope no i'm not going down on 100 cubic feet to 170 feet no that's that's ridiculous right there's a lot of dives throughout the world 
where there's a cool like you're in a beautiful tropical location diving some reefs walls every day you know doing the typical dive trip and then uh, somebody goes hey there's this cool wreck that's sitting over in like 150 160 let's bop down and you want to go bop down and take a look at that I know, I know you're a technical diver, Brando. <laughs> Wanna just we just bop Let's down there and go do the dive there. And if I said yes, I would not be a technical diver. I would be a schmuck. I'd be yeah. uh, <laughs> just a schmuck who wanted to go down deep. That's not a technical diver. Wait, wait! I'm under the impression <laughs> yeah. that technical divers are just they just go deep. That's the purpose of uh, they take that same aluminum eighty that everybody else is using um. on the boat. And they just go to a depth beyond 130 feet. You're saying that's not a technical diver? That's a schmuck diver? <laughs> it's a schmuck diver. A schmucknickel diver. Uh, <laughs> schmucknickel. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, it's the I International Association of Schmucknickel Divers. Yes, I, I in SD or <laughs> I-A-S-D. Schmucknickel divers. Uh, tracks and schnucknickel diving. Uh, anyway, but the the funny thing is, this was—I don't want to say it's super common, but it was—it was out there quite a bit. Not only would you see the hundred cubic footer, you would see—you'd uh, see somebody with an eighty and a hundred and fifty foot rack out in the Great Lakes, you know, and, and it wasn't uncommon. And of course, they had zero technique because they were walking on the on the rack with their fins on. Right, which makes it even worse i mean you, you in many ways you look at somebody taking a hundred cubic foot bottle and a pony bottle to that depth you go oh at first glance you go oh i guess they're being smart about it because they're taking the additional bottle but anybody with any brains and any experience goes well the reason they're only taking that is because they're untrained and they're they're too cheap to have the right equipment a lot of times it is the the financial aspects that keep people from addressing a dive or approaching a dive of this caliber properly you need much more than a hundred cubic foot of gas that's not going to get you very far and then we're talking about a pony bottle of oxygen now we don't he doesn't say how big the pony is but if it's a big pony He's got 40 cubic feet of oxygen, which can't get filled up to 3,000 PSI with oxygen unless you've got a booster. So it's probably two-thirds full, maybe, if you filled it, you know, cascade system off of uh, T-bottles or K-bottles or whatever. So you've got 2,000 PSI in a 40, which is it's going to give you about 23, 22 cubic feet of gas of oxygen that you can only breathe above 20 feet. So when the shit goes down at depth... Don't go to that pony bottle. That would be bad news. Well, that's instant death, right? Yes. I'm going to also go out on a limb and say I, I'll bet there wasn't a whole lot of practice of of deploying the pony bottle in an emergency issue. You know. Well, that and even if the pony bottle was air also. Right, exactly. Which you would see a lot out in the Great Lakes. Like the boats would will take you to a technical dive site like if you've got a the pony Morel, you've got people <laughs> he's got doing a pony. What could real, go wrong? And the guy's got a yeah, he's got a single <laughs> tank and a pony. It's like, well, only go to one thirty and don't go into decompression and yeah. you know but which never happens. The guy gets to hundred and thirty and it's it's uh, you know yeah. it's another 50, 60 feet down, you know, to get into anything cool right. on the wreck. You know he's following following down and the next thing you know he's rocketing to the surface. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> because he was probably breathing on the pony bottle the whole entire time, thinking he had his 100-cubic foot bottle in his mouth. Yeah, if, if he's, yeah, 
Yeah, if that was the the only misstep he, that was taken. So there's just a lot that can go wrong and will go wrong because it's Murphy's Law with this kind of approach to the dive. It's not enough gas by any means should something go wrong. It's not enough gas to really enjoy the dive if everything goes right. I mean, just coming up, like if you went down for one minute and, you know, decided to bail out and come right back up to the surface, I mean, it's a, what, a 10, <laughs> 11, 11 minute, a 10, 11 a minute ascent yeah. to go from 170 to the surface? Well, you, I mean, you hope. if you're going uh, yeah, like, to conceivably <laughs> try to come up and, and not be dead when you get the surface, but yeah. I mean, if you're going to reasonably come up intelligently. A 30 foot per minute ascent rate up to 30 feet and then do a, you know, a one, two, three kind of thing. Yeah, you're talking at least seven, eight minutes. So there's time that you've got to spend. Just to get home. Just to get home. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, almost half of it is just to get home. And you're not really adequately prepared. He's got a single 100-cubic-foot uh, steel tank that he's saying. What if I slip the guy an extra five bucks for the <laughs> air fill and he pumps it up an extra three, yeah. 400 PSI? I'm gonna gives, get, me a, gives me a good fill because I'm going deep. I'm going to guess it's already... A high pressure. I mean, hundreds are most. There are low pressure hundreds, but I don't see them too often. I always see the high pressure hundreds, thirty five hundred or thirty four forty two or whatever it is. Right, right. What I'm getting at for the people that don't know, it's hard to get shops that have a compressor or a booster that'll jack that up a little bit with the steel tanks. And again, that's kind of breaking the rules, really. Although steel tanks get jacked up quite a bit as normal practice. Aluminum, it's bad practice, bad idea. But he says it's a 100-cubic-foot steel tank, got a small pony bottle of oxygen to use in the final 15 feet before surfacing. Not a great approach, but let's go. But at least he's got something. He's, they've uh, looked at, you know, the decompression would be cleaner if we used O2. Of course, they're saying it from 15 feet to the surface really, I don't know. Yeah, you're doing okay, but you could do better coming from 20 feet to the surface. But uh, that's neither here nor there, I guess. Now, he says... Ten minutes into the dive, Joel realized something was wrong. He attempted to take a breath, but there was nothing there. He quickly signaled to his dive buddy that he was out of air. Now, ten minutes in 170 feet of water. Yeah, I don't know how long. Let's assume that it took them a little time to get down there. So they're, they've got five full minutes, though. And let's assume they're not at the bottom. We're going to give them a little bit of margin for air, don't you think? I don't, We don't want to. Sure. All right. Let's say he didn't do the wily Coyote and <laughs> completely slam right into the bottom. Okay, so they're at 150 feet of water. Right. Let's, so let's say five minutes at five at us. Do yeah. Are you good with that? And we'll even give him a good breathing rate of, you know, a 0. 0.6. 0. 0.6 is decent. But 0. 0.6 is really, really good. good. Yeah, no. So three cubic feet a minute. So they've gone through 15 cubic feet just at depth in those five minutes. And then the average depth of, of the descent. We'll assume an average four addas for the descent, five minutes in that time frame, and breathing uh, – a, a 0.6 again. So four times 0.6 is going to be 2.4. Let's make it 2.5 for easy math. And we have five minutes at 2.5 is going to give us 12.5 cubic on top On top of the 20-something from before. Right, exactly. So we're use, he's used up an easy 30-some cubic feet of gas by this, and by 10 minutes in. 
Yeah, easily. Yeah. If he's really good, calm, relaxed, breathing at a point six. Yeah, we gave him a lot, a lot of leeway with this. So I think that's a best case scenario. Is we're only yeah a third of the way through our gas. Now I know a lot <laughs> of people out there. They they do their you know deep dive for their advanced class, and their instructor might talk to them about a sack rate or they do a self-reliant diver class and they go, no, you got to get your sack rate. And the way they get their sack rate is they look down at their air integrated computer. Yeah. And that says you're at a point six. Like, right. Oh, that's, that's pretty good. But that's not an accurate point six. People. No, those things never give you the accurate actual reading of how much you're breathing. Because it, it takes into account the 20 minutes that you're sitting on the surface, uh, breathing through your regulator, you know, waiting for your buddy to get in, you know, uh, instead of breathing all the surface air. It takes into account, you know, the, the entire time you're, you know, holding onto the line, doing your safety stop. And it averages that where you're just sitting there doing nothing with the time where you're swimming around chugging at a 1.4 cubic feet while you're swimming around on the bottom. Right. Two different phases of the dives, you know. Those are two different types of sack rates you need to know about yourself. Yeah, and I, and like you say, I'm giving them point six. I, I'm giving them the, really the benefit of the doubt. It's I don't know a lot of people that that are point six in it uh, on a deep dive, nice and comfortable, uh, unless they're they're good at diving and technical diving. And I just by their equipment choice you have to make some assumptions that they probably don't have great technique and all the other stuff that goes with um technical diving quote unquote technical diving right <laughs> right 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 well i mean in a way having you, know, you you have to look the look you know if uh it's rule 6 to a certain degree but yeah well yeah yeah i mean if uh if your buddies and you know you're sitting there bragging about water skiing and you, know, you love skiing, and you're a great skier, and they you invite you out to the boat, mark. and you show up with a pair of snow skis. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to think something's yeah. up, you know? Yeah, you got you got to look the part, and just by the description and the first few sentences, we're not looking the part so far. Now, the buddy immediately donated his alternate air source, and the two linked arms... And began ascending. At 30 feet, Joel's buddy paused to make his first deco stop. The divers hadn't been at depth for long, but the man didn't want to take chances. He knew they had likely ascended faster than recommended. So Joel stopped with his buddy for a moment, but then dropped the alternate <laughs> air source and began swimming for the surface without a regulator in his mouth. He was carrying an oxygen-filled pony bottle, but he didn't stop to use it, nor to attempt a decompression at 15 feet. What in the—I mean, this is puzzling. This is puzzling behavior. Are we missing—is there an ingredient to what was going on that we're missing? Why, why would you abandon your gas supply— I thought for a second he's going to go up to the 15-foot to get to his O2, which, his is, O2. which is still silly. Well, I don't understand why you wouldn't just do your nice 
nice, slow ascent with your proper stops and sharing gas. It doesn't sound like uh, they were out of gas, although I don't know. Again, this goes back to our octopus alternative episodes that we did over the last couple of weeks, right? Just having the tool. Mm -hmm. It's not enough, man. It's not enough, right? No. Well, it's like a He's carpenter or like anybody. You can go buy the tools online. You can go to Amazon and buy a tool and call yourself whatever. You know, you can buy some surgical tools, call yourself a surgeon, but don't go cutting around in somebody's body. That's uh, <laughs> But I saw you, a YouTube you video. You know about my uh, <laughs> Dr. Love costume, don't you? I got the stethoscope. <laughs> Yeah, that's a little I different. Got the, <laughs> I got the uh, lab coat. I, I don't even know what else you... I don't want to hear what else you got. I got that headlamp, <laughs> I got that headlamp mirror thing. <laughs> hey, baby. Dr. Love. <laughs> Here we go. Dr. Love MD. Now, he says that reaching the surface, Joel signaled for help from the boat, and then he lost consciousness. He was like 50 feet away. It took the crew a few minutes to reach him, like 50 feet away, you know, for the crew to, like, go, oh, shit. He, they gotta, what? They've got to untie. Uh, they've got to untie from the, the mooring, get the gotta, motor going. and Somebody's got yeah. to jump out, but yeah. regardless, right? Oh, uh, yeah. You hope somebody jumped out and got in the water with them. But you don't know if this is captain by himself, which, have you ever seen that before, where they're just, just the captain? <laughs> Or there is an assistant with the captain, but he's not in a bathing suit or a wetsuit or anything. He's not even in dive gear. Often yeah. the cases, you know, yeah. like that guy, that mate on the boat is not is not planning on jumping in no, the water. No, and sometimes, yeah. Especially that cold Great Lakes water. Like They've got no interest in jumping in there. That's what I mean. They don't have a wetsuit or anything on, and you're going to, especially this time of year, where the, even the surface is still low 50s, high 40s maybe. Right. Now, they found him five feet underwater since Joel had not been able to inflate his BCD. And his, his buoyancy was perfect. He was in perfect trim. <laughs> <laughs> the crew immediately began resuscitation, but Joel never regained consciousness. And the medical examiner concluded the primary cause of death was an air embolism after a rapid ascent. Secondary cause was drowning. Yeah, well, it kind of well, makes sense as far as when you look at the the storyline. He I mean a rapid ascent from thirty feet. To, for, well, I mean a rapid ascent from a hundred and fifty plus feet, yeah. where the one buddy that was donating gas like realized, holy shit, we better stop at thirty. Let's put the brakes on here. Yeah. This was pr really fast, and Joel kept going. Yeah, but I mean. When I read the story and, and the picture that's painted, the fact that the A, they could stop at 30 feet, I, I take it as they weren't going ridiculously fast. And even even coming up from depth, it's I don't want to say it's 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 definitely not preferred or anything, but it's not as bad at depth with a rapid ascent because of the ratio of of Adas against your body so the deeper you can go a little faster as you get slow get approach the surface 
It's critical. Wait, so I've only got I've only got thirty feet to go. You're saying I can't do that part real quick? <laughs> well, that's exactly what I'm saying. Now, you shouldn't have done the the one seventy to thirty fast, but it's you have a better chance of nothing, you know, detrimental happening as far as uh, <laughs> big time symptoms or whatnot going past a, a safe ascent rate from there up to 30. But they were both able to stop at 30. Right. So that tells me, well, they had some control of their buoyancy. So I'm I'm kind of assuming, I know I shouldn't, but I'm assuming their rate coming up to 30 wasn't horrible. And even if it wasn't great, they were still able to control their ascent to a certain degree. But then, thirty feet to the when when, uh, <laughs> when Joel bails at thirty, there you go, and just goes right to the surface, with no gas quickly, supply. yeah, with nothing to breathe from, and then embolizes. That's well, it's kind of like well, duh. I mean, what do you think's going to happen? Yeah, you, I mean, I, I, to me, that's the reason. Well, it's not because we get into a whole different discussion, but the reason for teaching a you know a, a seesaw or. a buoyant emergency swimming ascent you know with no gas you exhale the whole time you do the Led Zeppelin you have to you have to know that that's what you need to do should you panic and bolt but again this sounds like a panic and bolt to me but but it says he's a technical diver true which technically typically (laughs) they they don't go together you can't panic a bolt as a technical diver again I, I think that they throw that term around Pretty easily. We don't know what that means to say he was a technical diver. Did he hold technical ratings? Did he just buy a bunch of technical equipment? Or he's doing, this is what I would consider a technical dive. It's well past the recreational depth limit. He's carrying oxygen for decompression. He's going to, almost guaranteed, unless you pop down for one minute, but he's going to require a staged decompression. Require, not elect. Because you can go online and buy, right? You go to the the website. I can I can buy mass fins and snorkel. I can buy photo equipment. Oh, here's the technical diving section, right? I can order in all my technical diving gear. Well, hell yeah, I got jet fins. I can show up and, and look <laughs> like a technical diver. We've never seen that where they look like a technical diver till they get in the water, and then they look like a monkey. And then, and they don't have one of the most critical tools a technical diver has, which should be a mindset of how I'm going to get out of the water, even if this very thing in 170 feet of water happens, of losing all of our gas. I think we still we we still have to get all the way home properly, even if this happens. Right. I, I think a good technical diver uh, is planning for something to happen. Uh, they enter the dive, they approach the dive with the whole notion, yeah, shit's going to hit the fan at the worst possible time, and we'll be at our longest time underwater, our deepest point of penetration, our furthest penetration. We'll be at the worst possible place to be when the shit hits the fan. What do we need to do? What do we need to have? Wait, they don't just have a long hose? <laughs> and a do. backplate? They that, that's that's I thought that was the technical diver. He had the, he's got the the steel plate and he's got the he's got the big green sticker on his tank that makes it look way different than everybody else. Yeah, things I mean That's not the technical diver. That's not the technical. Although things have changed for the better in many respects over the years. 
you know, when I read this story, I, I just, uh, I, I hearken back, if I can use that term, it's a pretty old term, I, I remember back to teaching fundamentals. Before fundamentals was a class, it was a workshop, and it was uh, just something uh, to expose people to a different uh, methodology of diving and a, a different approach to diving and technical diving in particular. Because back in those days, technical diving was just birthed and people just went and bought extra bottles, extra regulators, backplate wing, strapped a long hose onto their you know side of their tanks or, or even did the wraparound. But they just bought all the equipment, the canister lights, the, the, the deco bottles, the stage bottles. They just bought it and went and started diving with it in various configurations. Now, some of these people even went on to become technical diving instructors, and then they came to the, to the workshop for the fundamentals. The fact that they could not perform any of the gas sharing, the no-mask stuff, things that typically can go wrong on a dive, much less a technical dive, they couldn't perform that at 20 feet just goes to show you they either never practiced and they just bought the gear or they really don't know how to perform it because it was a cluster and I still have all the uh, the video from that time frame but we've seen it every single weekend that we would teach it people with 20 30 years of dive experience technical divers they hold the cards some of them were instructors could not share gas at 20 feet on a long hose could not lose their mask recover it or put a new one on at 20 feet and stay there. They were at the surface or they were into the mud. Just stuff like that. Basics. Much less go into the dive plan like, okay, how much gas do you have? You know, having a, a what we would call a, a rock bottom amount of gas. Right, right. Yeah. So in the 1970s, like we looked at over the last couple of weeks, <laughs> we looked at the octopus alternative. Mm -hmm. In many ways in the, in the late 90s and into the early 2000s, it's been... The technical diving equipment <laughs> alternative, <laughs> right? Right. Whereas yeah. uh, it's it's just the gear that I need. Exactly. The mindset's not there. The practice is not there. The actual skill of using that equipment. And there's more and, to and, it, James, isn't there? And where we're at today is the rebreather alternative. Is is that not the case? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, in defense of the rebreather companies, is they require. Before you can buy it, you have to be in the class. Right. You have to be signed up for it. You have to have bought the class. So, And, and their classes, I know the rebreathers, uh, it's not like an agency per se. It's the rebreather company will align themselves with an, an agency, I guess, to give them some credibility. But they require that you take their their course on how, it's, how it works, how it's, it's assembled, how it's used. It's pretty, uh, from what I've seen, they're, they're not little rinky-dink classes. They're, they're actually the real deal. So, in their defense. Now, we've looked at over the last three, four weeks and into today, right, having first looked at I need an octopus in an emergency, all the way up to the story today of, you know, Joel's a technical diver. Look, he's got his... He doesn't have a shiny neon green aluminum 80. He's got a big <laughs> steel tank with a DIN valve on it. Technical divers use 
in. They don't use that yoke valve electric blue tank. <laughs> You're assuming right? he has all, a thin valve. All yeah. the way up to maybe, uh, you know, uh, you know, all this new equipment that's coming out that, you know, the technical equipment revolution or alternative, the rebreather alternative, all of this doesn't matter when you get down to the nuts and bolts of it because what we find out is that Joel never switched out his first tank. Fucking Joel. He, be- he began his second dive on the reserve that he had surfaced with after his first dive. To, to the same depth? That's, I mean, he made it 10 minutes. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> you can believe. Yeah. So now we can go back and say maybe he did just plummet at, at yeah. 150 feet a minute to the bottom. Yeah. Right. And he was down there in seconds. But still, I mean, you had the you had the issue managed. You made it to 30 feet. You were buoyancy seemed to be under control, at least from the story. You were almost home free. And then I think, uh, you know, that uh, snowball starts going mentally in your head. Psychological aspect kicks, kicks in of. I'm going to die. Well, there's an issue that, you know, divers need to look at. And, you know, that term technical diving and, you know, everybody, you know, you know, they get into diving and they immediately want the cool looking gear. Once they see people in the, the, the rough and tough cave diving rig and the technical diver rig and they've got their you know neon pink bcd and their, <laughs> their shiny you know yellow octopus they go oh man i look look like a gumball I, I want the cool stuff and everybody gets on a boat you know and everybody's you know macho bragging talking on a boat everybody's you know pumping their chest and there is a lot of ego in the scuba world really there's a lot of, really? there's a lot of just tough talking and just having the gear and just having the words come out of your mouth isn't what's making you a technical diver. It's having the diligence to go through that same routine, the consistency to the equipment, the consistency to the, the pre-dive check that puts you in the right mindset for doing a dive like that. And a bunch of buddies on the surface talking about who's the coolest, who's the baddest, that's how somebody gets in the water Never even changing out a bottle. Yeah, well, you get distracted, and uh, you, you, you're mentally not in the game. Who knows, you know, what he did the night before, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of factors contributing to the possible causes of, of this. Um, ultimately, though, I think it, it goes to the mindset entering the dive. I would 100% agree, because you're right. Uh, all kinds of stuff happens on the boat. It's very easy to take your BC and regulator off of your first tank, and then while you're talking with your buddies, put it right back on that same exact tank, not the new one. It's very easy to get suited up in the hot summer sun in a dry suit, getting ready to jump into that cold water, and trap a long hose. It's very easy to not turn a valve on. It's very easy to you know uh, not connect a dry suit hose. It's very easy to, uh, you know, not have a left post. I mean, there's, there's so many things are so easy. That's why you have to have the right mindset of getting in the water and assuming that all that went wrong and having that pre-dive clarity 
so that you know that you can start the dive, not just jump in and go. Yeah, that's what the checks are all about. That's what the quick, you know, uh, gear buddy check, what gear matchup, whatever you want to call it. The different agencies have a different different name for it. But right there on the boat, you do a, a gear matchup. You go through your head to toe. Obviously, he didn't check the gas. He would have noticed, I would think, or he did like uh, what a lot of people do, like a lot of students we see is like how much gas you got. They look down. A lot of times they look at, look at it, they can clip it, and then they forget again. Or they did remember it, but I can ask them two seconds later how much gas they got. Um, did I it see register? It all the time, yeah. yeah, it didn't register. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. I see people all the time that how much gas do you have? And they say what they want that gauge to say, <laughs> not what the gauge says. You, you, you know what I mean? They like a. I've I've been there. Like check it again. Well, I just looked at it. I did too. Look at it again and and tell me what it says because it's not what you just told me. <laughs> those numbers don't mean what you think they mean. <laughs> yeah, things like that. And uh, again, that's why we do those those checks, a modified S drill. You know, if you can't do the full S, you're gonna you're jumping into a current and you're gonna drop down real quick. You do a modified S drill on the surface that deploys your long hose. You know it's not trapped. Um, you do a quick modified valve drill so you can you, your valves are all open. Uh, I mean, these are just little things and part of the routine. They're part of the, every single dive routine. Now, Eric gives us an analysis. He says, sometimes divers become overconfident and take shortcuts. No. They assume their personal experience will help them overcome any situation. Statistics show that accidents occur not just when divers are novices, but sometimes after divers gain experience and lower their guard. In Joel's case, there was confusion during the surface interval. Joel may have thought he heard his friend say he had switched out Joel's tank, but he was mistaken. Regardless of how it happened, Joel began a deep dive with a mostly empty tank. Finding yourself out of air at depth can be scary, regardless of your experience. While it's unlikely he was in a full-blown panic at that point, based on his buddy's description, it's fair to say Joel was likely scared and worried. I, I don't care how good and experienced and confident of a, of a diver you are. I, if you really, truly suck a bottle completely dead empty. It's not a comfy feeling. It's not, you're yeah. not going to be going, oh, happy times. We're good. We're good. Whee! Unless you're an idiot. I mean, unless you're really not very bright because the idea like that you don't have the gas attached to you anymore to finish this dive and, and reach the surface. That idea right there should be somewhat concerning at the very least. You should be on your toes for the entire time. Yeah, no kidding, right? Because because you're you've lost that confidence of self care, right? You're now completely reliant on someone else. Yeah, and you might be with a schmuck, right? Which is you know, you <laughs> <laughs> might be with somebody who uh, got their card from the International Association <laughs> of Schmecknickel Diving. You might be. You never know. That's why, you know, getting buddied up on a boat with someone you don't know on a technical dive. Flying down to Florida by yourself. You're like, I'm going to go do a dive on the Hydro-Atlantic, and I'll just I'll take just a buddy. up with somebody. Yeah, what the hell? I'm a good diver. Right. Well, well, there you go. And, and you, might, you might get buddied up with a Joel, right, who has technical diving equipment and maybe <laughs> he's got a pony bottle. But, but the training the training's different, and that's what something like – the essentials is teaching. It's it's not teaching you 
how to dive doubles and a long hose and do a backwards kick. Yeah. The, the idea of that training that, that we teach is a brain and a mindset and how mm-hmm. to think. Yeah, an approach. And, and how to have everything properly and not properly, but still make sure everybody comes home. Yeah, and at the because end Because of, of the way you think, not by what gear you have. Right. But, I mean, also it is going to give you an introduction to the skill set required to, to uh, manage the incident, if, if you will. So you need a certain skill set, and the, that course will give you that introduction to that skill set and a practice regime if you, you know, because it's very difficult to get it uh, in a weekend. If if possible at all, right, right. I mean, just because you got you know some tomatoes, and <laughs> some noodles, doesn't mean you got and some onions. <laughs> it doesn't mean you got spaghetti, right? Yeah, yeah you, you might it, have it, a recipe it, for disaster. You very well might. Yeah, yeah. Two divers breathing off of one tank can be awkward, Brando, especially yeah. if you haven't practiced the emergency procedure. And many divers never practice rescue skills after their open water course unless they advance through rescue diver or become a dive master instructor, Eric tells us. Even divers who practice those skills might have trouble ascending with an alternate air source if they have never done it with that particular buddy, making it more difficult. Well, I think we say this all the time. Uh, You know, most divers, especially most recreational divers, they don't breathe off of that octo after scuba 101. They rarely ever do anything with it. It'll, it'll get dragged through the mud quite a bit, but um, they don't practice those skills. He says Joel chose to continue to the surface when his buddy paused to make a decompression stop. It's likely he saw the surface just 30 feet above, and his mind told him that that's where safety was. This is, yeah, yeah, and this is an indication, he says, of perceptual narrowing that comes with panic. Right, well, and obviously as well, the, the communication between the two dive buddies here, the dive team, was, was lacking. The fact that he could get away, you know, the, the divers weren't close enough that he couldn't see what, was, what he was thinking. There was no communication, like, I'm going to go up to the surface, and, you know, his partner would have, hopefully, would have said, what the fuck? Well, yeah, but if you don't have a solid clearly identified rock bottom gas plan and all you know is the traditional theory of somebody's out of air get a regulator in and you got to go up right it 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 lends itself to an uncontrolled ascent in a in a panicky situation whereas having the, the right gas for that with starting with that thought in mind gives you the time to donate gas and calm the whole situation right there because we already started with this idea. Right. You can, you know, and show them how much gas. That might help calm them, too. But, yeah, there's so many things going on here that I don't want to call elementary. But there are things you can foresee happening in an emergency. This doesn't take, like, a wild leap. What takes the wild leap is, like, okay, if we have an emergency, I'm just going to give you this, and we're just going to casually go up. That, yeah. that's, a, that's a wild leap of, of what you think is going to happen because the reality is never like it. Never. It wasn't gonna, like that I'm in gonna class. Grab this, I'm going <laughs> to grab this Air McDoodle and put it in my mouth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Don't worry. I won't, I, uh, I won't grab my I'm snorkel. I'm smart enough I won't accidentally <laughs> grab my snorkel. 
or uh, I won't I won't hold on to the inflator button as I'm trying to breathe off of this thing at the same time. That's that's the wild leap. That, that is the wild that leap. You're... Yeah, we haven't even touched on Air McDoodles, and and we should because there are very few items in the scuba lexicon of equipment that are as ridiculous as that in the reality of employing it in its actual needed use, right? I'm not you you're not going to you're not going to piggyback on that. There I've had to deal with these damn things. Almost invariably without exception, there's a problem. There's a problem with them. They just do one thing. They get rid of a hose and that's it. They get rid of a hose, the only plus side of those things. I wouldn't even call that a plus. Well, it's not really needed, but yeah, they get rid of a hose at the expense of causing just total chaos in when it's needed to be used. Because now you can't manage your buoyancy control with your BCD very easily either. And you're supposed to go up. And you're in charge of the fucking situation. <laughs> Sorry. But we haven't even touched it. We did, we did. This is our fourth episode on gas sharing. And we've only mentioned, we've just said Air McDoodles, you know. But we really should just well, we'll con- get, we'll get to one. We'll condemn get to a whole the yeah, motherfucking hell out of those things. They're just <laughs> as bad as the goddamn thin metal cable retracting console holder. We'll never know. Whether Don't get Joel me going on that, breath. James. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. We'll never get to the end of this episode <laughs> to know we'll whether know Joel held. Really <laughs> We'll never know whether Joel held his breath completely or just didn't exhale enough on his final ascent, Eric says. But from that depth, the air in his lungs would effectively double in size. That's more than enough for a lung overexpansion injury and an arterial gas embolism. In Joel's case, he either forgot to do a pre-dive safety check or quite possibly thought he didn't need to. He never looked at his pressure gauge. If he had he would have noticed something was wrong, and and this incident would not have happened. He simply took a breath from his regulator to make sure air was on, and he entered. Now, how often do you see that happen? People just stick a reg in their mouth and go, all right, let's go. Bloomp. Right. Yeah, a quick glance would would have showed something, but it's just those small things. It's those attention-to-detail items. We we touched on the, the breather, so... I want you to think a, a rebreather pre-dive check is much more complex than the regular open circuit stuff. And you have people going into rebreathers almost immediately out of open water now. So you haven't like built a, uh, a complete respect for the art of diving in the first place, much less. No, I mean, if, when your pre-dive check consists of somebody else checking all your stuff for you whoa <laughs> you are you are not ready to advance in diving like you have a mm-hmm. if, if you and your buddy get together and your pre-dive check is here go through these letters and check out all my shit right and i'll do that for you and you trust that they did something right you have the most basic kindergarten level of dive readiness preschool i, yeah. I would go to preschool and and again i think uh we look at the actual what happened and what caused the uh, the death of the fatality, but you start scratching and digging deeper, and we start to see it goes all the way back to training and approach, and uh, yeah, training and approach to diving. Yeah, right? it's 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 got nothing Mindset. to do exactly. It's got nothing to do with the equipment that he had or didn't have. It's the mindset of the dive is what he lacked. Right, he didn't lack enough gas 
to do this dive on the second dive of the day. He lacked a mindset to prevent what happened from happening. So it's, it's a bummer. But uh, again, you know, I, I just wanted to touch on uh, we, we spent the last couple of weeks looking at the, you know, the theoretical side of the octopus alternative. And I saw this story and it, it, it made me think of there is a technical equipment alternative that that has been playing in the in the scuba world these last uh, decade or so that you know this is the next fix right it's not that just we needed an octopus now we need <laughs> we need twins and a long hose that that'll yeah. that'll fix it all yeah if two are good four is much better kind of mentality and um all right well hey brandel that was a good one let's uh, let's sign some log books on this dive for the people Okay, go ahead. Let me see. Brando, congratulations. I am going to certify you as Advanced International Association of Schmucknickel Divers. Well, thanks. Thanks. When did you become a course director for Schmucknickel Divers? For $99.99. There's a website. IASD, $99.99. You could become a technical advanced Schmucknickel Diving Instructor. Yeah, dear schmucknickel divers. I've got a couple T-shirts. Actually, uh, there's a. There we go. We idea. need to we need to put out a International Association of Schmucknickel Divers <laughs> T-shirts. <laughs> Tiffany, get on. Call it. the call the printer. <laughs> I like. All it. right, everybody. We will talk to you next week. Safe diving. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. Blah, 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 blah.